0: Fighters. I recall, our at now, Like the fighters.
1: That's a good idea. <laughs> like M-
0: like MMA mamas, like mixed martial art moms, <laughs> like <laughs> martial art moms.
1: We are too tired. Uh, we are we're too, too tired, tired to do any mixed martial arts. I think.
0: Yeah, yeah, I'm definitely <laughs> definitely tired. Didn't get a lot of sleep last night. But what's up, everybody? Glad uh, that you're uh, have chores to do, so you have a reason to listen to us. Because let's face it. That, that that's when we come on your mind, you know, it's like, okay, I got some chores to do scroll through the podcast. Oh, you know, my kid's been driving me crazy lately. I don't want to go to jail. You know, it's not a good time to go to jail right now. So let me listen light the fight. So I don't, uh, I hope say, you're out walking say in things. nature.
1: I hope you're on a hike and not folding that, laundry. <laughs>
0: yeah, that, that would be better. That would be better. <laughs> but, um, thanks for visiting as always guys. Um, I'm David. I'm Heidi. And uh, she's the mama. I'm the the guy. I'm the guy that got convinced that I'd be a good counselor someday. And um, we're glad I'm you wait- did. I'm, I'm waiting for that day to come. <laughs>
2: <laughs>
0: yeah, it was definitely an accident, that's for sure. But we're glad you guys are business as always. And um, we want to give a special shout out thanks to our our big community sponsor, one eight hundred contacts. Without them, uh, we, we just we wouldn't be where we're at. You know, they've, they've not just opened up a lot of doors for us, but they're just a great partner and just trying to help our community. And, and also, you know, just like a podcast, you know, they have a reach that's worldwide and podcasts are the same. So we're happy to be part of their team. We're happy to have them part of our team. And, you so know, buy your to contacts out,
1: from 1-800-CONTACT.
0: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> buy your, and, and, you know, and if you don't, if you don't need contacts, you don't really need them it could be good contact storage yeah, you know, just like food storage, vice contacts. Cause if you like to read a lot, if you're on screen time, your eyes are going to go out at some point. So just in case uh, I'm just joking. God. I don't even know if you could do that. Right. Don't you have to have like bad eyes to buy contacts? So, probably a
1: prescription.
0: Yeah. A prescription. <laughs> yeah. You probably need one of those. Okay. Um, so, uh, you know, before we jump in the podcast today, we just want to, our, you know, pay our respects to, um, to just everything that's happening right now, um, all the many, many people in our country—I mean, everyone in our country—has been affected by what you know happened to Mr. Floyd. And um, I know that in 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 a very, very horrible and an odd way, much like the quarantine, we're, we're all in this together. Now, granted, I'm not saying that it's affecting me and Heidi the same way as is affecting everyone, because that would be ridiculous. Because no, I'm not an African American. Um, but we all are affected by this because I think uh, uniformly across the country, no one looked at what happened and said, Oh, that was a good thing. Well, at least not a sane person would look at that and see see that was a good thing. In fact, it was a horrible thing. And so, like the quarantine, you know, it's a share it's a shared pain. You I know, mean, watching that video is just it it's it's it really shakes you to your core. There's no way that it can.
1: You and know- so I
0: just Go ahead, I
1: just want to add, add one thought to that because um, it we're recording this podcast just so that you know, context-wise, um, first week of June in 2020. And so um, we're experiencing a lot of civil rights issues happening um, in our country. We all see it. And
2: from my limited perspective. And I recognize that I don't understand. And um, sadly, serious, sometimes serious tragedy has to happen in order for enough need, desire, willingness to actually do the work. And as I've
1: been listening and Recognizing um, what's happening, I can really relate from the standpoint that, like, I would have never come into this space, this mental health space of learning about anxiety or depression or trying to understand suicide or suicide ideation or how to form better relationships with my kids, with any family members, if I didn't get it put into a position where it became such a deep-seated desire for me to change and to understand so that I could prevent it from ever happening again. Now, I am not comparing suicide with what has happened, and I'm not comparing my situation with civil rights issues, but I'm just saying that that discomfort... And, you know, I know we've talked about this before that the, that change doesn't happen until the discomfort of staying the same outweighs the discomfort of the change itself. And, you know, I didn't want to learn. Like I, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't even think I needed to know. I thought I was doing fine. I thought I was a great mo- mom. And in a lot of ways, I was a great mom and I was doing a lot of wonderful things, but it wasn't enough it i needed to know more and i couldn't know more just by osmosis i couldn't know more just by taking every day one step at a time i actually had to go in and do the work and that's what we're seeing right here and right now is this call that if if you are feeling that anger if you did feel that discomfort if you you know watching that video and listening to the
2: stories you're recognizing
1: I thought I was doing okay and I thought that what I stood for and the kindness that I had and the, the fact that I didn't have negative feelings or blah blah blah, kind of the things that a a white in my white middle-aged mom situation realized that it wasn't enough. It's not enough and that I have
2: to put in the work. What's awesome, I think, is that a lot of this work that we do and things that we can learn and ways that we can, um, adjust our thinking
1: both what we talked about here on the podcast. And even a lot of what I am hearing discussed, it just improves relationships, right? It just
2: improves, understanding. it promotes better relationships. And, um, I, I guess I just want to say that When we can take a tragedy and something awful and turn it into something powerful, then, then that's where we can find the good. That's where we can find the light. And, um, that's what I, that's what I hope for, for myself and for my family and for others
0: yeah for for a lot of people, this has been a day to day struggle for them you know I mean African American people's been day to day struggle, you know, like you know I know a lot of my friends are, are telling their you know and this is prior to this, tell their kids are African Americans that listen, when you pull over, you put your hands on the steering wheel, like you do not like mess around and and you know to think that you have to coach your kids on those things, they live in a different world than a lot of us, but guess what we're we're, we're in the arena now it, it brings a lot of people to other people's pain and suffering. And that pain and suffering is a collective gathering of connection because pain is the equal connector of all human beings. It's like, if you're in pain and I have pain, you can relate to other people's pain, but it's got to be known. And this has definitely made it known. I don't know if you happen to see the, um, it was a meme or just a, you know, just a meme, but it's a very heartfelt meme. There's a picture of George Floyd, I believe with his little daughter on his shoulders. And it said, my dad... I, maybe Brandon, if you can find it, um, it it said something along the lines, like my dad's spirit was so strong that he could change the world. And I mean, it just, you know, it brought tears to my eyes when when I read that, because you know, you don't have to have lived what his family's going through to know, you know, if you got a kid, like, you know, just, just seeing, I mean, look what happened with Kobe Bryant's death. I mean, everyone was so heartbroken for his children. You know, Because what they don't get to experience with their father and, and you know, this man's a father, he's a brother, he's a friend, he was all these things. And, and, uh, you know, for me personally, um, like you said, it's, it's, it's painful. And it's bringing attention to things that, you know, this quarantine has given us a lot of things that we need to change that maybe our society and maybe certain systems we're not, maybe we're definitely slow to change, but I wasn't talking about racism specifically and police brutality. I was just talking about a lot of things in general that we put on our to-do list. Well, this you one, you kind of talked right about here.
1: housekeeping, like yeah. when you're stuck in your home and you start looking around, you start real. you know, you're not walking fast. You're not in and out. You're sitting there. You start noticing, Oh, that drawer needs to be cleaned out. Or, yeah. you know, I can, I, I have, time to take care of
2: it. I, I yeah. like what you
1: said earlier, David, which was kind of like maybe this pandemic, you know, there's there's always a timing about something.
2: What was it? I mean, we know that George that Mr. Floyd isn't the first um
1: police brutality acts, you, you know, not accident that's been recorded. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um yeah. It's it's happened. It's happened and it's happened why now? You know, what what is it about this timing and we must be in a place that we were ready that that we were listening that we were open that it affected us in a a powerful and important way and um it it must be something with all of these things that have kind of stacked up. Um to finally look at that stack of stuff in the corner that we need to deal with that we haven't wanted to that we've turned a blind eye to and now we got to look at it straight straight on
0: you know and how validating for so many people that have been screaming at the rooftops for years about how bad this is and now it's like hey now you got the world's attention i mean everybody is all eyes are on this everybody's at home (laughs) everybody is we're all seeing this in real time play out. And man, there is so much power in everybody sharing that same pain and struggle, whether it affects you the same way it would if you're an African American, or if you're like myself, a lot of people, it's like, we like you just grow up with people of different ethnic backgrounds, you see the struggles that they go through, and you feel for them. And that's what's beautiful about empathy and compassion is that relationships, relationships with people of different you know cultures and different backgrounds different races it makes us better people the more we have in depth relationships of people of different life experiences and so you know and, you know n- not to you know n- not to you know talk about this in, in great length but i i know that we wanted to uh, pay a certain reverence to this and didn't want to be like oh well, back to light the fight we can talk about your kids and stuff like that because you know that if you look at it from a family from a large perspective um, we are Americans, whether you like the president or don't like the president, where you like certain things are happening in our country, you don't like certain things happening in our country. This is our country, we're all a participant in this country and we want it to be, meaning I'm not trying to speak for everyone. I just think it's pretty safe to say that everyone wants that freedom, that liberty, that right to pursuit of happiness. And so many of us have felt like that's been taken from us, whether it be through, from your color, whether it be from you be a small business owner and and that you couldn't go to work for a while. It's, it it is put everybody with a big, my magnifying glass, what's happening. And like you said, Heidi, and which I think a lot of people are saying, you know, this really could unite us and it could really cut out all the fat of all the crap that was not needed, that needed to change years ago. Right. Um, I, uh, you know, I don't know. Do you have something else you want to say before?
1: uh... No, that's all right.
0: Okay. Um, You know, but dovetailing off this, you know, I I was um, fortunate enough to have a a conversation on Instagram live. Um, uh, One of our loyal followers uh, here at Light the Fight, um, Cheryl Cardell. Um, And what's her Instagram handle name? Let's give her a shout out from the podcast. Yeah, her
1: Instagram is supermamas4, the number four, real. At supermamas4real.
0: And give her a follow. She, if, if you're listening to our podcast, you, you'd love everything that she talks about. Um, I had a great conversation with her. And she's definitely not just a little listener of the podcast, but she's just one of those moms that, from my impression, from following her, she, she likes to go deep. She wants to figure out what she can do better. And, and you know when she had me on the podcast today, we talked about something that she's heard us speak about live, which is um, being a first responder. And since I had the conversation with her earlier, and our our longtime listeners will have heard us talk about, can remember us talking about being a first responder. So this is kind of like being a first responder 2.0. And what I'm referring to is being a first responder. You know, Heidi, I'll I'll let her give the metaphor and analogy in just a second. Um, But the conversation I had with her really has been sitting with me. Because each and every person that listens to this has people in their life that are looking towards you to see how you handle situations. They're watching to see how you handle stressful situations. And we talk about, um, you know, in in many different ways that as a parent, and and as you see on our wristbands that we have here at Light the Fight, a saying called don't freak out. And there's a lot of reasons why to not freak out. But one one reason in particular is that if you freak out with your kids and your loved ones over everything that's, you know, even the minor things. When the bigger challenges come, your reputation is you can't handle it. Why would I share the, and this is, could be a child, let's use a child. For example, why would I share with my mom or my dad or, you know, my caregiver for me, it was my grandparents. Why would I share with my grandparents the struggles that I'm having that are really big and intense in my life when I feel that the smaller things, they completely overreacted and freaked out about those things. Well, we tell people don't freak out because these are practice runs. Every chance, every time your kid has a problem, they come to you and they bring you a problem. This is an opportunity to build a partnership with your kid, show them that even though you've made mistakes in the past, you got another opportunity to connect with them, understand them and show them a better side of yourself, a more evolved side of yourself. And so we use this concept of being a first responder instead of a first overreactor to illustrate that point. And, Heidi, if you wouldn't mind, just kind of break it down because I know a lot of people, you know, may not be privy to what we're talking about being a first responder, and uh, just kind of explain to them a little bit, you know, why we use this analogy and how it works.
1: Well, I don't think it ever gets old. I think that it's a concept that bears repeating because, frankly, even though I talk about it and I wear this bracelet that says "Don't forget" every single day, I still forget. <laughs> you still getting the tattoo on your forehead backwards when you look in the
2: mirror?
1: I, yes, it? it's awful. Um, so this was something that David taught me very, very early when we first started visiting with David. And um, it didn't, like most things, this is not a joke, But <laughs> we joke about it, but it's not a joke. Most things that David talks about, I'm very resistant to. And it takes me, it, at that time, like I said, I thought that I was doing great. I thought I was doing my job. I was doing what my mom did. You know, I was, I was walking the walk and talking the talk, just like I had been taught. And, um, so I was resistant to the change that David was saying, which he said, Heidi, you have got to stop freaking out when things go wrong. You cannot lose your temper. You have to be approachable. Um, and he, D- David, and was- you said, you said, I am approachable. What are you talking about? <laughs> You know, so David was the one that said, that started talking about it, It really started clicking to me, but this is what we share. And I'm just going to share it again and add a couple layers to it since this is a 2.0. But like, so for example, let's say that you get in a car accident. Let's say that it was your fault and let's say someone's been hurt. And as you're sitting there in your car, realizing that it's your fault, someone's been hurt. You start to panic. Adrenaline is going on. You're not sure what you're going to say. You've done something wrong. You know it. What happens if that first responder starts walking up, walking up fast with this face, look on his face like, What did you do? How fast were you going? Were you texting? You know, kind of like this immediate peppering you with questions, condemning you, knowing that you are the, the worst person. And everything is your fault. And immediately just, you know, imagine how you would feel if that was the situation. It would make matters 10 times worse. You would be 10 times more scared. You would feel much, much worse. And this person would not be somebody that you felt like you could talk to or share or even explain. And this person isn't even giving you a chance to explain. So first responders, good first responders are trained to walk up to
2: the car. And the first thing to say is you're okay. I'm here. Do you, yeah. Do you, you know, and
1: you, yeah. everything's going to be okay. Take a breath, you know, cause usually that, you know, sobbing. Um, I can, I can remember quick story. Quincy got in a car accident on the freeway, driving to Lagoon. In the fast lane, um, it's it's five o'clock traffic, and just around that point of the mountain in the, on North Salt Lake, traffic boom stopped, and Quincy just slammed right in front of the person in front of him, and and then caused a chain reaction. And Quincy was devastated. And this first responder, this police officer, handled it beautifully. She said, "This was your fault, but let's talk about what went wrong. You're not in trouble, you know." You're not, we know that this was an accident, but there were things that you could have done better. Let's talk about it. And she made feel, Quincy feel safe. And, she, and so anyway, going back, this first responder would come up and would say, would make a statement. You're going to be okay. Take a breath. Um, take a second.
0: Come and, with me. Come sit over on the yeah, curb. They, There's a blanket.
1: Would, do a blanket. They would calm you down. And then they would say, can you tell me what happened? Tell me what happened. And then they would listen. And they would give you that space to tell exactly what happened. Maybe they would ask some clarifying questions, but they wouldn't do it in a condemning way. And therefore, yeah, you're still in trouble. You know you're in trouble. But they're not adding to your pain. They're not making you feel worse because you did make a mistake. And therefore, you can open up and you can, you know, be helped in that situation. First responders supposed to be help. And that's what I wanted to add on to this layer right now in the circumstance that we're in. Um, when we're talking about a police officer who has not a good first responder. And I know it's a super, super extreme case in the, in the George Floyd circumstance, but this very relevant uh, example, but this Person is supposed to be authority. they're supposed to know the laws. they're supposed to be represent safety. They're supposed to represent peace. they're supposed to be represent accountability. And when you have an authority figure that is not holding up their end of the deal that isn't doing what they're supposed to do, the level of trust, like think of the level of trust that has been lost by this entire country because of a bad decision that somebody made that had the authority and did not behave in the way that they should have done. The amount of trust that's lost that will take forever. And I don't know what in order to build that back in. That is what happens when as an adult, a parent, you are the authority figure. You've been given by virtue of having these kids, the authority and when you freak out and don't act accordingly, you're not fair. You're not upholding peace. You will not have trust.
0: You know, and so many of us, you know, using that um, example of George Floyd, so many of us can relate to authority not allowing us to be free to express ourselves. And in this case, to be, to be harmed by authority. To be mistreated yeah. by authority, and this was the, the most extreme example to to be killed by an authority figure. Now, granted, when we go in our homes, you know, for some people, maybe life or death situation with parents because you know domestic violence and domestic abuse is real as well. And using this analogy, being a, a first responder instead of a first overreactor, just like Heidi said, is that when you are in a powerful position, you're ex- you're expected. To handle chaos, um, confrontation, um, all these unstable factors that are going on in this world, you're expected to handle those with reverence, with grace, but with assertiveness when needed.
1: And, Law you know, and order. one of the things that you have taught, though, David, a lot, and I, and I think about this a lot, and actually Eric is way better at this than I am because I'm the freaker outer. You have said a lot of times, like if somebody, if if there's a situation, maybe somebody has a DUI or they've been taken in, they're not taken straight to the judge and given their sentence right at that moment, right? There's time to go through the process. As parents, we can take the time. Like if something goes down, we can listen to it. We don't have to feel like boom, we've got to dive right into judge and jury and Prosecutor and punishment. And that's something that, like I said, I like to do. <laughs> and I'm thankful when Eric says, you know what? I think that let's all just go to bed and let's talk about it tomorrow. Um is very helpful. And that's something that you've taught us.
2: Well, and, and
0: when I was having that conversation with Cheryl earlier today, um, I I was reminded when I was talking to her about being a first responder and how important it is that we are being watched. Our loved ones, especially our children are watching us and they're learning from us how to handle these different, these difficult circumstances, whether it be at school, at home, and then today in the world, how to handle the quarantine. Our our kids are, are, you know, relationships are mirrors. Our kids are watching us to see how we handle our own stress they're watching us to see how we handle our mental and emotional and physical health. And being the best first responder is like being a great leader and a great boss that has an open door policy but not an open door policy to shame their children or their family members when they come in and say, "Hey, you know, I need help or I'm struggling." But an open door policy to And let not an that-
1: open door policy to get walked all over either.
0: Exactly. And and having open door policy in, in the business world, what it's supposed to mean is that I am available for questions, complaints, mm-hmm. frustration. You know, just venting. Um, if you have ideas and if you want to influence to make this a better place to work, I would like to hear from you. Inviting your loved ones to share their stresses, their fears, their concerns, and worries—it's a very powerful way to lead. Because instead of putting up a, a, a wall or a defense mechanism between you and the people that you want to follow you, what you're doing is you're saying the best defense is a really good offense. So I'm going to go and I'm going to constantly remind you that I'm here for you, even though I may not always agree, even though I may not always understand where you're coming from, you are the best teacher for me. And I'm the person That can be a vehicle to help you get to places because of my experience, my expertise, my, my position of power, I can help be an ally for you to navigate through these troubled waters. Now, as everyone knows, I work with a lot of young adults and a lot of teenagers and, um, some of which, have uh, you know, been a part of the protests and different things that have happened this past week. And I've had conversations with some of them and, It was, it was very helpful for them when we talked to know that they could share their anger, how upset they were, how angry they were, but they could tell me these things that they're witnessing with their own eyes and they're experiencing. And they could tell them to me, knowing that I was not going to try to change their feelings. I was not going to try to tell them that their feelings were inaccurate or misplaced, or to try to guide them into having a different belief or different feeling about something. When we have leaders, and that's out of trust, right? Like I had to earn that trust. I had to invite them to tell me many times throughout the years what they were experiencing. If you invite the people who you want to follow you or you want to influence, and if you let them know and prove to them that you are trying to help them come up with how to, you know, how to make decisions based upon their feelings, then you're no longer a person. And is trying to guide their path in their direction, you're a person that's willing to walk it with them. That is how you lead. You don't lead by pushing. you don't lead by you know bargaining and bartering with people. You don't lead by trying to persuade someone or manipulating them with buying them things or using you know you know uh you know that that intimidating blackmail type of approach. The best, most influential leaders are people that allow the people that they that follow them. To have influence over them first. That is the definition of power, the ability to influence other human beings. But the only long lasting version of power that I've found is the type of power when you allow someone's thoughts, feelings, and opinions to have such a huge impact on you first. Then when it's your time to talk and listen, there's trust, there's credibility already there that you are wanting to work with them instead of change them. We want to be free. It's in our DNA. It's in our biology. It's in our mental, emotional spirit. No one comes up with good ideas when they're trapped in a prison. Meaning like if you're locked in, you know, in, in a tough situation, maybe you feel like you're trapped in a relationship. You're trapped in a job. You're trapped in you know, a situation where you're being marginalized. It's really hard to be creative and to express yourself when you're trying to defend and protect yourself. And that's why first responders, they're just not people that learn, that show how to handle chaos and, and how to handle difficult situations. They're people that free the people that are following them so they can also be able to handle difficult situations as well. Better ideas come through better relationships, trusted relationships. And I know the first responders, one of my close friends um, who's a, a police officer in San Diego, a police sergeant? um, know you've, you've met him. You know when we've done a, he, he sits on the board of directors for my nonprofit organization, and I played football in college. An African American police sergeant. You know my communication with him today, it was nothing. But dude, I, I I feel you, man. Like I've been thinking about you. Like you know, just like I I wanted so bad to be able to let him know that. I can't imagine, even though I can't relate, I can't imagine the weight of the responsibility he has to be an example to others, to have restraint, to speak on certain things that he may not want to speak on, to you know take harsh criticism from people that, that may you know think negatively about him because he's a police officer. But at the end of the day, this is why he signed up for this. He signed up for this because he knew that it was better off him being in that position because he is an amazing leader calm, collective under fire. I mean, I've, I've known this guy over 25 years now. And when I I talked to him, yeah, when I talked to him, I was relieved that my home city in San Diego was having him as a leader because he exemplifies what a real first responder should be. And that is, that is difficult to do when, when there's real live action going on to be able to bring the peace. When someone is called a peace officer, that says everything right there in the, in yeah. the terminology. You're not a, an authoritarian figure. You have authority. You have power. But how do you wield that power? I know he wields it with peace. I know many other people, personally, do. And I know lots of people out there are, can say that about family members or friends and in law enforcement. The challenge is that there has been a bad reputation with And I'm going to go along the, a gambit of different types of leaders, from government to uh, you know, uh, law officers and officials to bosses, CEOs, to, fam- to parents. Because when there's people that are in great power, that have extreme power over a group of people, that is a very, very difficult relationship to manage when you have that much power. Many human beings are not capable of that and need a lot of training, and a lot of help in that category, but the value in having better first responders, the value in us as parents being the best first responder for our children, we're giving them a roadmap. So that when they go into society, they can also lead because these kids, this, this younger generation, yes, they're not just the leaders of tomorrow. Cause that's obviously the leaders of tomorrow. They're leaders of their groups right now. You see a group of teenagers, there's always that one or two that the others are looking like, hey, how how do we handle this? Everyone needs someone to to follow. And I just know that if we take that same first responder approach where we, Matt, like the example you used, Heidi, of walking up to an accident where someone knows it was their fault, walking up to that situation, comforting that person, showing that person that you're there to make it better, not to make them feel worse. It's much like uh, the, the, the police sergeant or, and the police chief in Flint, Michigan, where it shows him, takes off his helmet, puts down his batons. He has all of his officers do that, say, hey, we're here with you. Like, he made himself completely vulnerable. And The best leaders I've been around, they are transparent. They, they acknowledge that, yeah, their armpit stink. They got issues too. And they're willing to hear criticism. Because if you want people to take criticism, if you want people to be influenced by you, you got to be
1: willing to, to go
0: first. You got to allow them to give it right. to you first.
1: I want to add something just kind of as we wrap up. Um, I have a lot of people, when I talk about the podcast or when I run into people, we hear from listeners and they say, I wish I would have known this 20 years ago, which is, which is my sentiments exactly. I wish that I would have had this training and this information. 20 years ago, when I first started becoming a mom. Um, and so there may be some of you who are listening that you have young kids. And we hear from a lot of you that, that say, you know, I still have young kids, but I'm trying to learn. Um, the thing that I would say is that there's nothing better than having your kids come to you and want to talk to you. And you have to build that trust. It doesn't just It doesn't just show up. And so when you have little kids that keep wanting to come and tell you stories and they want to tell you what went wrong and they want to talk 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 talk, listen. And you're just putting, you know, checks in the bank of that I'm a I'm somebody who that you can come and listen to. So that when there's something serious that they need to talk to, that that you've been able to demonstrate that you're that person. Now let's say that you haven't been that person and you haven't built, or there's been trust lost, you can always start right now listening again. It's, it's not too late, but you do have to know that you have to start somewhere and it's going to have to get built up. And it's not just going to happen overnight. It's not just going to automatically by virtue of being a parent that you get to claim that trust. It just doesn't happen. But one of the things that we do teach when we teach a first responder event, when we talk about not freaking out, is we encourage you if you are in a situation where you have trust issues with a child, with any, anybody, and you say, Look, I know that I have been a freaker outer in the past. I know that it's been hard for me to listen. This is something that I want to work on. I want to get better. And so if I'm freaking out, you know, you have my permission to just kind of give me like two winks and and I'll know that that means that I'm freaking out, you know, have that open conversation. Look, I have not always handled situations the best.
2: I'm really sorry. I really want to do better, but I need you to give me a chance. those opportunities go far and
1: it it doesn't it's it's not always best if that happens in the heat of the moment sometimes it's good if it it happens just when things are calm and you can reestablish try to start establishing trust but i think that the best leaders are best listeners and so i really appreciate what you said about that david will listening will never go unnoticed. It will never go unappreciated. It will never go, you know, it, it, it'll never leave you with less authority or less power, less influence. Um, well, just, just I,
0: like we're sorry, I didn't mean, to interrupt you. Um, I, was I couldn't confused. agree. I, I couldn't agree with you more because this is a metaphor, but just like the police with the people who are there trying to police or you know, not necessarily protect, but police and and keep safe. Um, They, in in a similar fashion, it's like a parent with a child. Parents are saying, hey, I got to give you rules and I got to make sure you follow the rules to keep you safe. But when parents say that our kids have broken our trust, that, you know, they've shown us that they've made so many mistakes, we can't trust them. It also is equal on the other side to say that parents can lose their kids' trust as well. And this is an example of what we're experiencing is that many people in our country, for very good reason, have lost trust in the system that's supposed to keep them safe. And so what we're finding ourselves in right now when we're talking about you know being a parent, when, when you follow what Heidi just said, because I, I strongly suggest you do, acknowledge to them that i know i've broken your trust i know and it doesn't have to be in every aspect because sometimes people like to gather everything up like i can't trust you like a blanket statement that's not true you can trust your kids in certain scenarios just not in others right and they may be able to trust you that you'll take them to school in time they just can't trust you won't freak out if you they don't get the grades you wanted them to get right so Trust goes both ways and to to be transparent be like, Hey, listen, I know I've broken your trust in these specific ways. And like Heidi's mentioned, but in order for you to get your trust back, I, I need another crack at this. Like I need another opportunity. So I need you to share with me what I can work on, what I should do differently. But I also need you to possibly listen to my suggestions as well. And the police officers and the people in authority right now that are, publicly making it known that that's where they're coming from, we know that we've lost the trust of the people we're supposed to protect and serve, and we want to make that right. We want to do better. Those are the people who are going to push this forward, and, and, I, and I believe that we can have a better country than we have before. I do not believe that this is going to tear the social fabric of our, of our country. I believe, though, it is going to remove the fabric that's no longer needed. And there's a lot of stuff that is no longer needed. Racism, police brutality is no longer needed because if we can't trust the people who are supposed to protect us and the people who protect us can't trust the people that we're, that they're protecting to trust in them, then we're not going to be able to continue to have the luxuries and the freedoms that, that we've had in the past. And so I think that this, I hope and pray that this is going to evolve us so that 2021 is far better than not just 2020, but all the years leading up to 2021. Now, I know we still got six more, six more months to get through. So hopefully the aliens don't show up anytime soon. Cause <laughs> that would really, that would really just everybody. I, I don't actually, at this point, I don't think people would be surprised if the aliens show up. like, man, what, you know what? All right, stop, are, it. Yeah. <laughs>
2: stop it, stop it, stop <laughs> it,
0: you know? according to all the conspiracy theory people, they're out there, but I digress. Anyways, <laughs> um, thank you guys so much because this is, like Heidi said, you know, we, couldn't, we could talk about this quite a bit. Being the best first responder, mimic that person that you saw in power that made you feel not just safe and secure, but made you feel like they were there with you and they were going through it with you instead of trying to control you. That is the parenting approach that we always suggest partnership yeah.
1: as parents we would never want our children to feel the way these protesters are feeling um and that i think that it it can get to that point sometimes yeah, not to that point but it can it can those types of animosities can exist um that's what we want to overcome on this on this podcast and um really put relationships first over everything. So anyway, I I always love a chance to talk about that being a first responder. I I know, I know how helpful it is and I know that it's changed um the culture in our family, even though I'm not perfect at it. Um and I think that because my kids do know that I'm trying, they cut me a little bit more slack. And they don't, they don't hesitate to remind me that I'm not supposed to be freaking out. <laughs> so I get some help on the back end too. Um, but I'm thankful for the knowledge that I have about that. And, um, and there's lots of opportunities to practice it. So um, to all of you who are listening, no matter where you are, no matter who you are, you know, you matter to us. And we appreciate you listening. We appreciate you wanting to learn to, to do better and to be better. Um, it, it all starts right in our homes. It all starts right in the family relationships that we have. And um, when our families are safe, our relationships are strong, then we can go out in the, the world and, and do a lot better good. Um, And we just can never underestimate what happens inside the walls of our own homes. So that's what we're hoping to add to when with this podcast. So thank you for listening. Thank you for um, showing up and thank you for helping us to light the fight.